Let's open. We'll be flipping around as usual uh, around Exodus, but there will be slides this time. So how about I pray before we begin? Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that we have seen uh, in the book of Exodus in the last uh, dozen or so weeks. And Father, as we begin to uh, come to near the end of the book of Exodus, we just pray that we would yeah, be able to wrap it up. We would be able to really see the bigger picture of what's happening. Uh, so be with us this morning by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, in previous sermons, uh, if you've been in my Bible study, is, there, is it sound a bit echoey? Is that okay? It's okay? Okay, cool. Uh, in, in previous sermons, and if you've been in my Bible studies, one of the questions I'm sure you would know I keep asking us is, are there any parts of the Bible that this passage reminds us of, right? Uh, so things like repeated words or phrases, have we seen similar themes or events that have happened before? Um, and, and I ask this because usually the author is doing something to allude to, to hint at something else that has already happened before. Uh, so if, if we quickly skim through the passage that uh, Jess just read for us again, are there any other passages in the Bible that you think this might be referring to or it might be encouraging us to compare? Any, any ideas, guys? Or if I, to, if I were to rephrase it so there's no right or wrong answer, what passages come to your mind as you read through this passage? Any ideas? Maybe have a chat with a person next to you if you want and then come back and discuss in the book of Exodus. Moses coming down the mountain with two tablets. Does that remind you of something else? I see a lot of grins. So I'm, 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 I'm expecting people to actually know the answer, but they're just too shy. Does anyone want to be brave? And it might be an obvious one. Yeah, so the first, so this is not the, this is not the first time Moses has come down the mountain with two tablets, right? Where did we see the first time? Exodus 32, the, the start of the golden calf narrative, right? Uh, so, uh, ew, ew, what happened? Sorry, I lost my slides. It's okay. Uh, so, most recently, that was uh, the most obvious uh, point of connection. So, good one, Grace. Um, so, let's ha look at that passage first, right? So, uh, on the left, this is why I told you to keep your Bibles open, uh, because you can't really read what's happening. But on the left, we have the golden calf story, the start of the golden calf story. And on the right, we have our passage today. I've sort of cut out bits in between, uh, just so that we can focus on some specific things. But looking at these passages, or looking at your Bibles in front of you, can you tell me what are some repeated phrases or words, ideas of themes in both passages? Just shout them out as you, as you, as you see them. Any, anything that, that comes to mind?
covenant law, yep. Gary? Okay, yep. Oh, okay. That's something to look for. Another chiasm, maybe. Any any other words or phrases that seem repeated in both across both passages? All right, let me uh, just show you. Uh, first, we have someone finishing speaking, right? Uh, verse 18, the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, and he gave him the two tablets. Uh, verse 33, when Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. The word put is actually the same word give. Uh, it's, the, it's, it's Natan. Uh, or Does anyone have a friend called Nathan? That, that's from that word. Nathan means gift, right? So God gave Natan the two tablets to Moses, and Moses, Natan, put, gave a veil over his face. Okay? Uh, what else do we have? We have Moses uh, being seen that he was long in coming down the mountain, so people saw that Moses was late. He hasn't come down yet. 40 days, 40 nights on that fiery cloud thing on the top of the mountain. And then they gathered around Aaron and demanded idols to be made. And then there is also seeing something about Moses. Verse 35, they saw that Moses' face was radiant. And the result of that, Moses now assembles the whole Israelite community and says something to them, right? So similar wordings, seeing something about Moses and then assembling the people and speaking to the people. Anything else? The most obvious one. Oh, sorry. Uh, there's uh, Aaron seeing and announcing something. So verse 5, Aaron sees the calf that he builds, and he announces, he calls out literally. And again, when Aaron and the Israelites saw Moses, they call out to him. Again, karah, it's the same word, call out, announce. So there's all these words that are, are parallel in both uh, passages. And of course, the last one, the Lord said to Moses, go down, and then Moses comes down the mountain. Now, Gary says there's a chiasm here. Can you spot the chiasm? You might need to lump a couple into one group. Can you guys see the chiasm? Right, if we group the first three and the last three together, there is Lord finishing, they saw that Moses something, and then they gather. That's the last one as well. And then B, B, C, B. Is that, is, that, is that clear? So the events of the first passage are reversed, or the phrases rather, are reversed in the second passage. Now, as I'm sure a lot of you will know to expect, what is my next question? If I, once we've identified a chiasm, what's my next question? Where's the middle? Yeah? Yeah, important part. Well, why, why is the chiasm here? Like, it's all, it's all fun and games, and we've noticed the chiasm. But what is the purpose of the chiasm? The author is doing this to get our attention. 
So what do you guys think? What do you guys think is the purpose of arranging our passage that we read today as a reverse order of the start of the golden calf story? Any ideas? Yes, Gary? Fall and rise. Okay, okay, so maybe an opposite of what's going on? Is that what you mean, or...? Okay. Yep. 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 Yeah. So it, it's kind of like um, how how I sort of see it is kind of like um, who's old enough to have experienced a VH, VHS tape in their childhood, right? You you, you press the rewind button and the screen goes really fast and it's reverse. It, it, I think it's a bit like that. It's like saying whatever has happened in in between, right? It is now reversing the effects of the golden calf. Moses coming down the mountain a second time is pressing that rewind button and saying all that affects all the sin. God saying he's going to destroy the people. Everything now is being reset, being rewound, right? Uh, but uh, and, and how do we know this? Uh, for those in our, uh, our life groups who have seen this already, uh, what is the topic just before the golden calf story starts? So, and what is the topic right after our passage today? Does anyone remember from our life groups? Sabbath, right? So if you look at chapter 31, at the end of chapter 31, it's about Sabbath, right? And then right after our passage this morning, it's again the Sabbath, right? So in this reversing of what's happened in between, it's like God is picking up where we left off, right? God was in the process of giving. Is might have come across uh, images of Moses like this. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Thank you. Do you notice anything interesting about Moses in these pictures? He's got horns. Right. That's a bit strange. What's going on here? Well, do you know, it's actually in the Bible. Uh, see, the word shone here in our English translation, that, that's translating a very strange word in the Hebrew, Quran, which in this case actually means shine, by the way, right? Uh, but this word is most often used to describe a literal horn of an animal, right? So in our context, let's make it clear, in our context, it is clear the word is actually shine, right? Uh, we're not supposed to think of Moses as having actual horns sticking out of his face. But the pictures that we see in the classical artwork is based off a mistranslation of these verses because most of the time, this word, keren, right, it depends on how you vocalize the vowels, keren means, oh, uh, keren means horns, and so they drew horns on Moses' face. But what is happening here? Because this is a really weird right way for the author to say that Moses' face shone. And so I think the author is doing this on purpose to, to think back 
Moses is having horns. Let's think back to another time we heard of an animal with horns. The golden calf, right? And so for, for whatever reason, the, the author is casting our passage today as a second golden calf narrative. But you must say, oh, look, I'm, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm really, that's not really convincing. Well, there's actually another direct link between these two narratives. Uh, what does Moses use to cover up his face? A veil, okay? A veil or a mask. And then you have the Hebrew word, masfer. And surprise, surprise, it's the same Hebrew word again in another calf story. And the word is almost identical, right? Aaron takes their gold earrings and makes a cast idol or a masking idol. It's spelt differently, right? It's masker instead of masver. But the word almost means exactly the same thing. It's a mask. And you think about the process of molding something, like you pour molten liquid into a cast, right? It's not like a mask that you remove once that thing has cooled down and hardened, right? Uh, so for some reasons then, the author takes pains to use words to say there's two calves in two stories and two masks as well. Why is that? There must be a reason why the author is going out of the way to use these words to link these two passages. There must be a link between Moses and the golden calf story. But to answer that question, let's look at another passage that our text reminds us of. So let's think about it. What, what passage might there be? Was there any other time that the people saw something near the mountain and were too afraid to draw near? Anyone? Right after the Ten Commandments, what happens? Well, I'm sure you're all dying to tell me. Let's go, let's go to Exodus 20, verse 18. When the people saw... This is right after the Ten Commandments, right? God had spoken to the people directly, the Ten Commandments. Verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and spoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So again, let's look at the similarities, right? They're at a mountain. The same one, by the way. They're still at the same mountain. Uh, God approaches God, which for Moses means going up to the top of the mountain instead of coming down. What else? There's fear, right? And as they see this display of God's glory, the mountain is in smoke. They tremble with fear. They're so fearful that they say, don't have God speak to us or we will die. And so they choose to stay back, remain at a distance while Moses goes up the mountain himself. But let's look at some differences. What's, what's different this time around? As the people see God's uh, Moses' shining face. Yes, they're afraid to come near at first. Sorry, I think I put the wrong thing. Yep. They're afraid to come near at first, but what happens after Moses calls out to them? Instead of remaining at a distance, this time they actually draw near. Okay? So at this point, we have enough data points to start piecing the puzzle together. At first, 
Why did Moses go up the mountain in the first place? Moses went up precisely because the people couldn't bear hearing God's voice with their own ears. It was so overwhelming. They thought they were going to die. The people were like, no one can survive that experience of God's holiness, His glory. You go, Moses, you go. But also, remember how the golden calf story started in the first place? After 40 days, the people said, Moses has been up there for 40 days and 40 nights. He must have died. That's why he's not coming back, right? Moses, the man, could not face God's glory. And so the, the man, Aaron, the man died. We need something more powerful than that. We need God's. Remember Elohim? Powers. We need powers to go before us to replace Moses. And of course, what kind of gods replace Moses? The masking calf. Right? Remember, this, this calf was meant to be the point of connection between God and the people. But it's also meant to be a shield. So like a, a, a blast shield because God's holiness was so intense, no one could stand up to that. So we need this intermediary boundary, this barrier to protect us from God's holy glory. But what happens in our passage today? Another quote-unquote calf comes down the mountain. But it's not an idol. It's the man, Moses, radiating God's residual holiness as he comes down. And there's also a mask in our story today. But this mask isn't something that's needed because man cannot withstand God's holiness. But instead what? This mask is the evidence that a man has indeed encountered God's holiness, been in the holy midst of God's cloud and survived. This mask now allows God's people to draw near to the one who is radiating God's glory. Rather than keeping their distance from God. So that's a lot that we've gone through, right? So let's summarize things up to this point. What does Moses coming down the mountain a second time represent? The effects of the golden calf has been completely reversed, right? Forgiveness from God brings us back to the start of the story before the golden calf. The plan of God to dwell with his people can now continue. God's covenant to marry Israel can now continue. But also, Moses coming down shows that Israel's fears were unfounded. They wanted, they thought they needed a calf to shield them from what they thought no one could survive, a shield from God's glory. But now, instead, they have a shield, a veil, a mask, proving that Moses is the man that can ex survive experiencing God's glory. But we can't stop here, can we? Because there's another passage that we might think of. This time, I'm not asking you to look back. I want you to look forward. In the New Testament, is there any, is there any part of the New Testament that our passage today reminds you of? Anyone? Where else do we see someone going up a mountain? A cloud covers the mountain. There's a voice speaking from that cloud. Someone comes down with a shining face. And Anyone? I, I see nodding. 
Can we uh, compliment the nodding with some answers? Jesus, yes, it's always the right answer, correct, <laughs> right? It's the transfiguration of Jesus. Uh, so let's have a look. Yeah. Led up a high mountain, his face shone like the sun. There appeared before him was Moses and Elijah. What's he doing here? Um, well, Elijah's actually there because guess who the other person who encountered God on the top of the mountain was? Elijah. Uh, a bright cloud covered them. There was a voice from the cloud. And the disciples fell face down to the ground, terrified. Hmm, okay, interesting. So what's going on here? Why does the transfiguration match up with so many details of our passage today? Because, I don't know, if you've ever come across the transfiguration of Jesus in your personal Bible reading or maybe in a Bible study, you might be thinking, okay, so Jesus becomes super bright. Uh, God speaks again to say, He's his son, you know, he, he told us before in his baptism, but okay. Moses and Elijah are randomly there. And so you might think, okay, so, okay, maybe Jesus is just super holy, right? Um, God has put his stamp of approval on Jesus. Moses and Elijah, you know, the law and the prophets, okay, they, they approve Jesus. Okay, so uh, application, listen to Jesus, right? But after what we've seen in our passage in Exodus today, in seeing what that passage is doing, doesn't that give so much more meaning to Jesus' transfiguration? So, how about you tell me now? After hearing what we've seen, after seeing what we've seen in Exodus today, what other meaning and significance might we attach to the transfiguration story? Anyone want to hazard a, a guess or what comes to mind? What else can we say about Jesus after hearing what we've seen, after seeing what we've seen? I'll just blame it on the heat. But uh, maybe he's not come to judge right? He comes down as Moses shining. So he's, he's not come to smash the tablets. Maybe he's come to re-establish something. Maybe it's that Jesus brings forgiveness. That's how Moses comes down the second time, isn't it? Everything has been completely reversed. So Jesus, if Moses can reverse the great sin of the golden calf, maybe it's saying that Jesus is doing something similar. He's come to do something similar, right? Reversing the consequence of sin. Maybe Jesus is the one that brings connection between God and His people. That's what Moses is doing as the mediator. Maybe Jesus is the one who will establish a new covenant with us. Right? Let's assume up to that point you, you hadn't read the rest of the gospel, but you've read all your scriptures. Maybe that's what it's saying. Maybe through Jesus we can experience God, God's original plan for us. Maybe through Jesus we can experience God's holiness without dying. Maybe Jesus is the new Moses that Moses speaks of as he departs. If, you know, if we read on ahead in Deuteronomy and he tells us to expect a new prophet like him. And I say, those are all true. They're totally true. And I hope you can see what I mean when 
when I say that, when you fully understand, when you really understand the Old Testament well, then as we come to the New Testament, a simple few verses like what we see up here, like that simply Jesus had his face shining, these few verses carry so much more depth and meaning, right? But also, again, we have to look at the differences because Jesus' transfiguration isn't a carbon copy of what Moses went through. What is different? Well, first, Jesus is up there alone with a cloud. He's not up there alone with a cloud, but there's also Moses and Elijah, as we talked about before. It's as if they are pointing to Jesus as he is the one. He is the one that our experiences, as you read about in the Bible, in, in the scriptures, that they find their ultimate meaning in, in Jesus. It's like having two witnesses testifying to Jesus as the one who truly fulfills what Moses and Elijah stood for. But there's more. Not only is Jesus' face shining, his clothes are shining as well. It's like God's glory isn't just clinging to his face, but all of Jesus, right? It's not a repeat of Exodus 34, it's an intensification. But there's another big one. Even though everything is more intense in Jesus' story, isn't it significant what is missing as well? What's missing? Any ideas? There's no mask. There's no veil. Who said that? Great. Yeah, great job. Because with the intensification of God's glory, you would expect that not only would Jesus need a veil, he would need a hazmat suit to contain all that glory, right? To protect everyone. But there is none. And so we've got this super high power level of Jesus' holiness here. But at the same time, an even stronger connection and intimacy and, and, and even fewer barriers between that holiness and God's people. This new Moses, this new Jesus, this Jesus brings this intense presence of God even closer to his people. That's what this new covenant that Jesus brings does. And ultimately, this new covenant looks forward to the day when God's people will not only be able to withstand looking at the reflection of God's glory, right? But to stand face to face before God. To have our sins completely washed away. Not one trace of it left behind. To experience the fullness of what it means to be God's beloved children, His holy people. And so today, I, I think this is one of those passages that I'm not going to give you a specific application for. I think today what is enough is for us to simply behold this scene, right? To simply behold the scene of Moses coming down the mountain, holding the two tablets, his face shining, encountering God's glory, to be overwhelmed not just by that picture, but to be overwhelmed with the significance, how pregnant that thought is, all the significance of what that stood for, and then, turn our eyes to Jesus, to behold Jesus in his shining glory, in the cloud on the top of the mountain, standing with Moses and Elijah, and to see how perfected all of those that Moses stood for, how that is perfected in Jesus today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to give you thanks for how rich your word is. That as we spend time to compare and to keep meditating on your word and to allow it to marinate, we can just see the depths of the truths 
not just in the Old Testament, but it just brings out Jesus so much more. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us this vision of Jesus in all his glory as he deserves. We pray that despite our limited humanness, despite our sin and corruption, that we might still grow closer and closer to seeing the reality of your glory, of Jesus' glory. And may we be people who are not afraid to draw near because of what Jesus has done as he was transfigured. In his name we pray. Amen.